This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Pashas Mishpatim. Mishpatim are mitzvahs that we understand. Chukim are mitzvahs we don't understand. Mishpatim are mitzvahs we do understand. Okay, so the beginning of Pashas Mishpatim talks about the following. Kisikne Evet Ivri, when you will buy a Jewish slave. Jewish slave, what does that mean? So if a person steals money and you can't... And, um, a man steals money, and, they, and, and he goes to gamble. He goes to Atlantic City. He, get, he goes to gamble. He loses all the money, and now the people caught him. And we're like, give back the money. And he's like, I lost it all. So what are we going to do? No chapter 11 in the Jewish law. So um, there's a very famous story. You know what chapter 11 is? You should never know from it, but I know from it because I have a business. If you sell, you sell a company and then they have no money, they say chapter 11, they don't got to pay you. It's an American law. They don't got to pay you. They pay the banks, they don't have to pay you. Terrible law. It's not Jewish law. You owe somebody money, you got to pay them. Chapter 11 is an American law. So there's this guy who went to a big rabbi, and he said, I'm trying to make a panasa, I'm trying to make a living. It's not going. And I keep going from business to business, it's not going. The rabbi says, you have to do something Kabbalah. He says, what should I do? He says, take the chumash and open up the chumash. And whatever it says... In that, in that page, do it, you'll see you become very rich. Okay? A year later, he sees this guy drive up in a big, fancy Rolls Royce, fancy car. Whoever goes over to him and says, what happened? He says, I did what you told me to do. He says, you opened the Chumash? He said, yeah. He said, you're so rich. Like, what did it say? He said, Perik Yud Aleph. So you don't understand what I'm saying, but Perik Yud Aleph means... Chapter 11. Ha ha, it's a rabbi joke. But anyway, he opened up to chapter 11. He didn't have to pay anybody. So he bought himself a beautiful car. Not a good law. So the Jewish law, see now we're so happy that, we're so happy that we didn't cancel tonight. Where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. Came all the way from Brooklyn, nine degrees, wind chill factor, 10 below zero. And they called me up. They said, I think we should cancel. I'm like, no. There'll be one girl there. So Lumba Chavusa. Okay, now there's more than one girl. So anyway, so so he has to pay back, but he has no money. So how's he gonna pay back? So he's gotta sell himself for six years. And whatever he's gonna be paid that money, he has to give to the people he owes the money to. And during those six years, the, he's in Eved, he's by, he's working by somebody, so that person has to take care of him. Better than the halacha is if the the master has one pillow in the house. You have to give it to the servant. They take care of the Evid Ivri better than they take care of themselves. But anyway, so somebody bought an Evid Ivri. Right? Bezdin, court sold him. Sheishanam Yavoid. He has to work for six years. Uba Shvi is Yatzilachov Shechinam. The seventh year, like Shemitah on the land, you have to work six, right? The seventh year, the seventh year, he goes free like Shabbos. In Yavo, if he came into this job alone, so he leaves alone. In Balishahu, but if he's married, his wife goes with him. So not only, not only do you have to take care of the Eved, you gotta pay for the wife who's living in her house, you have to take care of her also, because now the money that he's making doesn't go to his family, it goes to, it goes to the people he stole from. So you gotta take care of them. Okay? Now, what does this mean? The halakha is as follows. 
in begapo yavo begapo yetsay. If he's not married, right? If he's not married, so if he's not married, he comes in single. You, the, the master, let's say, has a, a, a maid servant. He wants to have children from them. He can't. He can't. He can't. They can't marry. If he comes in single, he can't marry her. If he comes in married, he can marry her, and the children belong to. Um, the children belong to the master. Okay. Anyway, in Kabbalah, look at this. The biggest class we ever had, minus 15 degrees below zero. It's amazing. All right. Next week, I hope it'll be a little colder. We'll get more goals. Anyway, so, so, it has a very Kabbalistic meaning, and it's so scary. I, I lost a cousin this week. He got hit by a car. Um, he was crossing a street in Virginia. In fact, we should learn tonight. Eli Nishmas Yosef Ben Shmaya, my first cousin, crossing a street car was speeding. Leviah was the next day. It's not, it's not normal, right? And, and, and a person. I don't want to scare anybody, but it's like very lonely. You come into this world alone, right? You're this baby. You come in alone. You're in your mother's womb, unless you're a twin. You come in. You come into this world alone, and then you make friends and family and build up your whole base, right? I got friends, I'm on Facebook, I got 900 friends, I got more friends on Instagram, and you pictures of this and that, you got this whole life and this whole thing that's going on, and then the person dies, and you're all alone. They put you in a box, and they put you in the ground, no friends, no Facebook, no parents, no sisters, no brothers, no money, no business, no job. The size of this table, that's it. The size of a grave is the size of this table. That's all you get at the end of the life. People are fighting. You're in my parking spot. Your, your house. My air rights. You covered my air rights. At, at the end of 120, you ain't got no parking spot. You don't got no air rights. That's it. My cousin's in a little bit, was in a box. I'm like, that's it. This week's partial. Begabo Yavo, you come in alone. Begabo Yetze, you leave alone. So lonely. Right? It's like really lonely. And in between, you're busy gathering all this stuff people and family and everybody and then also they're all gone because nobody jumps into the grave with you and even if they jump into the grave with you they don't go with you but nobody jumps into the grave with you we're gonna, we're, we're a little, we're gonna hear a little bit of a story about this at the end of the day you're very much alone so the posse tells us it's a little kabbalistic the posse tells us but in Baal Ishahu and in, in Kabbalah the Isha is the Torah the mitzvahs that you're married to you don't go out alone. Your good deeds you have. A man came to my office two days ago. Very old. Hasidic man. Had very little hair on his face. Very, very sick. Shaking like... He has a... Whatever. He's shaking like... He could hardly walk. Shaking. He could hardly talk. And he's collecting tzedakah. And I know him from before. I've seen him before. Whatever it is. And he asked me for a lot of money and three post-dated checks and, and I was not in the place to give him a lot of money, whatever, financially and mentally and just whatever. And he looks at me and he says, you think you're giving me something? You, th- you think, you think you're giving me something? You're not giving me anything. I said, no, no, I'm going to write you a check. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to do something. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. He says, that's the only thing you're going to leave this world with. I'm not going to leave this. He said to me, I'm not leaving this world with the money you give me. I'm going to eat, I'm going to do whatever, pay my rent, whatever it is. But you own the money that you give away. 
You're giving yourself. Whatever you write me a check, you're giving it to yourself. And after 120 years and you stand in front of Hashem, you're going to thank, you're going to find me and you're going to thank me. I'm not going to thank you. I was like, whoa. You know, tzedakah, like I'm giving you money right now. I don't need to thank you. You need to thank me. I'm like, wow, I never, nobody ever said that to me before. He says, you have to thank me. You have to thank you. I'm going to use the money. It's going to be gone. What am I going to have from it? In the next world, I'm not getting rewarded for the money you gave me. You, you're going to have it. You have to say thank you to me. I was like, I wrote, whatever, I wrote. I was like, I'm not messing with this guy. Wow. I said, just a different way of thinking about it. You leave the world with nothing. So the money you give away is what you keep. And the money you keep, they give away. You leave the money, Yerusha, kids take it, they invest it, they lose it. It's Zuzim. Money's called Zuzim. It goes and it comes. My father, I remember, we used to speak about it. So he, he said, I'm not leaving you any, I'm not leaving you any Yerusha. I'm like, don't leave me Yerusha, just don't leave me a mortgage. Like, I don't need a Yerusha. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, Hashem gave me a Parnassah, right? I'm a human being. I can't give you a Parnassah. Only Hashem can give you a Parnassah. There are people that left over. I had a relative that was so rich. The rest of the family had nothing. He was so rich that he said to my wife that, it was a relative of hers, said to my wife, I don't need money. My children will never need money. My grandchildren will never give me money, and my great-grandchildren will never have to work a day in their life. That's how much money he had. He died. His money went to his wife. She didn't give it to the kids. A guy, she was an older woman, and this young guy, maybe believe was in love with her and married or whatever it is, and swindled, took all the money away, and the kids today don't have what to eat. We, the family supporting them. This guy got up and said... My great-grandchildren, and now his children have nothing. His wife passed away. She had nothing, left with nothing. Because at the end of the day, you can't give someone a panasa. That's a key. Panasa is a key from Hashem. So you think you can give your children money? You think you're God? You have to be sensible. You have to leave them, whatever. But but Lamaisa, they fight. You know how many families don't talk to each other because of inheritance? It's much better not to have money. The parents have money, this kid, that kid, that, why you, why me, who gets the business, who gets the house, who gets mommy's candlesticks, who gets mommy's ring, who gets, oh my gosh, but you have nothing, they have nothing, nothing to give nobody, they're not fighting, you have all this stuff, everyone's fighting, I want her ring, I want her diamond, I want her necklace, she didn't have anything, to be like, I don't want anything. So, you don't, you don't leave with anything. You leave with nothing except your Torah, your mitzvahs. And what this guy said to me, he says, you owe me, I don't owe you. Because you're going to, and, and you're going to give this money and Shemayim, you're going to be like, tzedakah, there's a mitzvah, you're going to get ganed then. He says, I don't owe you anything, you owe me. I was like, pretty brave. So I gave him a big check, a few checks. I was like, whoa. Anyway, so he has a story here. Exactly like this. I want to read it to you. This is Abbas Chaim, very, very deep safer. He says the following. Let's find this story. It's a little down, but you know it's not down because if you if you're smart, you'll gather all the things you need to take to the next world. Oh, listen to this story. Marshal Adam. It's a, a, a parable. Shesholach Hamelach Achrav. One day, this guy gets a letter from the king, a message. I want to see you now. 
Now, that's not a good thing, because the king don't call you, I want to see you now, unless you're in trouble, right? Okay? So, he had four friends. I have him. He had four friends. Three of them he had hanging around, chilling, his buddies, his posse, the chevra. He had them all the time. One of the four just showed up every once in a while. Okay, so now he's called to the king and he's very nervous because maybe the king's going to chop his head off. He doesn't know what's going to be. So, Shalach Achal Abba he calls his best friend, your, your, your best friend, your best friend in the whole world. She's like there for you and you talk about everything and wow, it's your, it's your, it's your bestie. Right? Your bestie named Esti. Okay? V'amalai, hamelech shachar. I gotta go to the king. I'm very scared. Tavo imi. Esti, my bestie, come with me. Okay? Amalo. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to the king. He's gonna chop your head off. He's gonna chop my head off. But I'll tell you what I'll do. Since we're besties, I'll go with you. I'll walk you. We'll talk about it. I'll take you to the castle wall. Okay? No. He's like, that's not what I need. I need someone to go with me to the king and tell him how great I am. So, send for the second friend. I'm I'm in trouble. The king called me. I don't want to go alone. Come with me. I'm only only The friend, the second friend says, "Ah, I don't even know what to tell you. I need a rousing for Siam. I, I don't, I, I stutter. I don't talk well." But I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I'm not going with you because I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get myself killed. But you don't look good. You're not wearing nice clothes. When you go to the king, you gotta be dressed. So I'm going to give you my best dress, my best clothing. You're going to look like my best shaitel. Makeup, we're gonna do makeup, we're gonna blow your hair, we're gonna blow it out, it's gonna be amazing, you're gonna look gorgeous, and maybe the king will have a little Rachmanis on you. Okay? He said, but, she says, I'm a little bit worried that the, 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 the Shaitra Melech, the police, maybe they're gonna steal your clothing, like the mink I'm giving, all the nice stuff, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway, cause I love you, you're my best friend. She says, that's not what I need. I don't need your clothing. Okay, let's go to friend number three. Help! I gotta go to the king. The third friend says, I'm like a dried up piece of wood. I don't have nice clothing. I cannot walk you into the the uh, the garden of the king. No way. I'm definitely not going into his room. That's for sure not. So the the the, the person who's called to the king says, it, "It looks like I'm left alone, and I'm going to have to go alone." Okay. Poor guy. Poor girl finds out her three best friends are not there for her. Very hard when you find that out, if you find that out. So, he starts going to the, or she starts going to the king alone, in nice clothing. Okay? He meets, or she meets, the fourth friend. The one that she's not so close to, 
The one that just shows up every once in a while. Shal, I say. So the fourth friend asks this guy who's going to the king, Yedidi, my friend, where are you going? I'm going to stand in front of the king. Are you crazy? Why are you going by yourself? Don't you have three really good friends that are close to you? And that hang out with you and chill with you and your besties and you're always hanging out and all of a sudden you need them and nobody wants to go? Each one of them gave me a different answer. This one can't talk, this one can't walk, this one can't only has clothing. So when they all said no, why did you call me? You know, I'm your friend too. I, I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm never hanging out with you. Now all of a sudden I need you, I'm going to call you? We don't, we don't hang out, you know, I'm not like really your friend. I said for sure, if the guys who always hang out with me, and I gave my life for them, and they tell me, no, why would you do anything for me? So this fourth one says, I will not leave you. I will go with you to the king. And I will tell the king what a great guy you are. This is a story. This is a marshal. What's the nimshal? A person is busy, go through pain and anguish. And he builds real estate and buildings. And he works. He's a workaholic. And people work. And everything's about work. And everything's about school. In order to get to work. In order to work so you can make money. So you can buy food. So you can eat the food. Right? And then what happens to the food? You know what happens to the food. Right? And then you build a house so that you could sleep in the house while you're sleeping to get the energy to go to work so that you could sleep, so that you could go to work, so that you could eat, so you could go to the bathroom. Where are we going with this? What are you doing? What are you doing your whole life? Oh, I'm going to college. I have a degree and I'm working. And what are you doing with the money? Where, where, where are you going with it? I'm buying food. What's happening to the food? You're eating it to keep your energy so that you can go work more. Then you go to sleep so you have more energy so you can work more. So you're working so you can eat and you can sleep so that you can go work more. And the Torah tells you that work is a curse. The human being didn't have to work. So Hashem said, after you did the Avera, the curse is, you're going to have to sweat. So you, so we run. I tell these guys in shuls, like, I, I take my time in davening. It takes me about an hour and 20 minutes, which is very long to daven shachta. I say, Rabbeinu Tam, this, that. So, so guy asked me the other day, he said to me, why so long? Like, you sit here and you take this out, you take that out. Why so long? It's a high wall scene. Why so long? I'm like, work is a curse. Davening and learning is a bracha. Why am I running into the curse? Like, what's the rush? Run to work! Right? In the end, you have nothing. So anyway, so he says over here, so you work. Okay? And you got houses, and you got real estate, you got a car, and you have a, you keep looking at your bank account, right? And even he says, sometimes you have to work at night, and sometimes you have to put yourself in danger. People carry jewelry on planes, and they, they do things that they have to do for a living, right? 
Sometimes you have an hour or two hours to learn. And you do mitzvahs, you do a little chesed, a lifeline, this and that, you do a little chesed. When a person dies, Hashem the king says, Neshama, come to the king for judgment. Now what are you going to do? So the person says to his family, do me a favor. Guys, my wife, my kids, my cousins, my uncle, come with me. I'm going in front of Hashem. I need help. Say something nice about me. But they're alive and this person's not alive. So what do they say? Like this guy, his first friend said, We're going to come. We can't come with you to Shemayim. But we'll come to the, the courtyard outside. What is that? The graveyard where they bury you. We can come to the, to the grave. But we're, 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 we're and we're not, we're not, we can't go up to Shemayim and defend you in front of Hashem. Okay? So my family, they're coming to the, they're coming to the gate of the king when they're not jumping in. And, we, and, and even if they did jump in and, and, and went to the next world, which would be suicide, which they can't do, but, but they wouldn't be able to stand in front of Hashem. They're just human beings. Okay, okay, I got another friend. Okay, I'll be good. So, he talks to his bank account. Hey man, I need all you guys, all this money and gold and jewelry and all of my stuff. Come with me in front of Hashem. Come on, stuff. I need you to come with me in front of Hashem. Are you kidding me? We, 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 we can't do that for you. I'm money, but what I could do for you is buy you clothing. I could buy you the burial shrouds. I could buy you your grave. I could buy you your tachwichim. Right? And hope that none of the money was stolen, because that would be really bad to stand in front of Hashem with stolen goods. That would be really, really bad. I can't go with you, the money says. And the family can't go with you. The money can't go with you. But the money says, but I can buy you nice stuff. She says, okay, but my house and my, and my, and my properties, I've worked so hard for you. I'm always looking how much real estate I have, my stocks, everything, right? I'm busy with you day and night, right? You see people, their mom's looking at their iPhones a whole day, a whole day. The stock market, the real estate market, gold market, the silver market, futures, it's crazy, right? They say, the money says, we're not alive, we don't have life, we can't do anything. So Nebuchadnezzar the Shama is all alone and he's freaking out and he's panicking, he's going crazy. Who's going to get up in front of Hashem for me? My family stopped at the grave. My money is in some account somewhere. My properties are not doing anything for me. Who's going to help me? And just like in our muscle, the fourth friend, the Tyra, meets him and says, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to stand in front of the king. So the Tyra and the mitzvah that he did and the chesed that he did, so why didn't you ask me to go with you? He says, you... I'm so busy not davening. I run out of shul. I run out of learning. I'm so busy watching my movies, my television, whatever I'm doing, wasting my time. I didn't have the chutzpah. The stuff that I spent my whole life with didn't go with me. Why would you go with me? But I did learn. And I did go to shul. So the Torah says, I will go with you. And I will be the malach that will stand in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
and I will defend you, and I will tell him all the mitzvahs that you did. Mamish, a story, what this guy was telling me when he came to see me. Same thing. He says, you think you're giving me something? You're not giving me anything. After 120 years, that money that you gave me is going to stand in front of Hashem and talk good about you. The money that I'm getting, I'm going to spend on whatever I have to spend on. I need tzedakah, I'm spending on food. But it's going to be, it's going to disappear. So the money that you give is really the money that you get. It's very, very important in our lives not to focus on things that in the end, because you live 70 years, you live 90 years, you live 100 years, but in the next world, you're there forever. So wouldn't you invest your 70, 80 years to be there forever, to, to, to have the right stuff? It's Pasha's Mishpatim. Okay. Anyway, so that's the Kabbalistic meaning of that you're going to take your, you're going to take your mitzvahs with you. Now there's something very interesting brought down in the Oitzah Plurim HaToyrah. So anyway, the, the halach is he works for six years and the seventh year he goes out. Now, let's say he got a shifcha. He marries a shifcha, right? Because he came in married, marries a shifcha and he has a few babies and he's really happy. He doesn't want to go out to work. He's really happy. He has a good master. He has a warm bed. He has the one pillow. The master has to feed him. The master has to take care of him. It's a good life. You have to go out and work and sometimes make money, sometimes not make money. He lives in the master's house. It's beautiful. So he says, after six years, they're like, go, right? And he says, Ahaftiz Adoni. I love my master. He treats me great. As Ishti. There's Banai, my new wife, and my children. I don't want to go out. So what do we do? We take him. The master has to take him to Bezdin. And by the mezuzah, they, they pierce his ear. They take that the things that they use for girls to make her earrings. And they pierce the earlobe of his ear. His master shall bore his ear with an awl. It's an A-W-L, an awl. And he should serve him forever. It doesn't mean forever. It means until Yoivel. So the max, max that an Evan can work is 50 years. That's the max. Okay? Why do they do that? Why do they make a hole in his ear? His right ear? Um, because that ear heard, we all were by the, we were all by, um, we were all by Hosinai, and that ear heard that the only one that we're in Evan that we serve is Hashem. Now, if you stole money and you didn't pay back, so we have to sell you. So you weren't over, Hashem said you have to be my servant, but here Hashem says you have to sell. But now that the six years are up, that you want to stay, you're saying, I want to be a servant of this human being, so that's an Avera. That's an Avera. Because really, you should go out and work and daven to Hashem and need Hashem. Here, he doesn't need Hashem. He, he has a master that's taking care of him. So he's punished that we make a hole in his ear the ear that heard, you should be an Eved to Hashem. Now you decide you want to be an Eved. We make a hole in that ear. So an Eved has a hole in his right ear. Okay? Now, this is what the Avas, this is what the Sefer Ploy Satyra says. Ladies are not going to like what I have to say, but that's what it says. So I'm going to read it. He says the following. Why do girls wear earrings? You hear this? This is the Oitzah Ploy Satoira in Pashas Mishpatim. Oznoi shal isha, the ear of a woman, nirtzas keved is, is, oh, you're going to kill me for this. Anyway, is, is pierced 
like a servant. What does this mean? No, not that you're married. Not single girls have earrings of this. Not because you're married, that you're a servant. You're not a servant. Anyway, he says the following. Very fascinating. He says, I am Ashkesafti Bipashi Bereshis, right? That this is a Pirkei de Rebeliezer. So this is heavy stuff in Perikid Dalit. Sha'oznoi shal isha, the ear of a woman, near tzas is pierced, with simba takshita igile oznayim, to put in it earrings. Machmas klala, because of the curse, shinis kalalachava, that chava was cursed. So she was the first woman to wear earrings. She was the first woman. What was her, what was her punishment? What was her punishment? Let's go look at her punishment. What was her punishment that Hashem gave her from eating from the tree? What punishment was? Look in the pasuk. Ela isha Omar to the woman Hashem said, "Harba arba the eights of Teldibanim, you're gonna go through a lot of pain and suffering when you have to go through childbearing. And you will have a craving towards being married to a husband. And he will be your master, he will rule over you. That was her, that was her curse. That was her punishment. Okay? So what he's saying here, what does it mean he will rule over her? That makes him the master. So therefore, the whole thing of piercing an ear to show Avdus started by Chava. She listens to the words of her husband, like to a master. He said, this is very new. Because it seems to be according to this Pekadeliaza, the reason a woman has to Pierce her ears. It's like a curse. She's pissing her ear because she's like a servant. He says it's it's a, it's a double pele. Like he doesn't he doesn't really agree with it. I guess. Then he says from the Rambam that he So people who get more than one piercing. They're even bigger, Eved. You have like four of them, or six of them. I didn't write this. Don't don't yell at me. That's what that's what he says. He says a piercing of an ear is the rye of an Eved. So if you have eight of them, oh boy. So if you're not an Eved to your husband, you're an Eved to a whole style and a whole look and a whole identification that you're different. I'm not I'm not judging it because the famous question is Rifka had a nose ring, and Rivka had rings, so what, right, so how could you, why, I have, I have girls in many schools that girls have more than one earring, they have six earrings or five earrings, and it's not only earrings, it's nose rings and, eyel- and eyelid rings and cheek rings and tongue rings and lip rings and all these different rings, right, so their question to me is, Rivka had a ring in her nose, right, so the answer is that it seems to be that at that time, that was the style. Today, piercings is the following of, it, it started off with like 
heavy metal, rock and roll, and this kind of stuff. It, 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 it veered off that. But it's a simon of, I'm different. Everyone wants to be different. Everyone's wanna, everybody wants to have an identity. I had a famous story in, in Borough Park in my office. A girl came in the summer three years ago. Her mother sent her. She's this and that. So can I meet her? I said, sure, I can meet her. I'm sitting in my office. There's a girl to meet her. I want to say, I'm sure she'll send her in. It's 92 degrees in Borough Park, 95 degrees. This girl walks into my office with a wool red hat, a wool green sweater, heavy thick tights. You would think, like it's right now, like it's nine below zero. And she sits down in front of me, and you know, she's got all that body language like, yeah, rabbi, like what? Right? But I'm too smart. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna react. You know, I'm just gonna put my scarf on, like, you know, I didn't have one, but. So, she says, Er Wallstein, you see, I didn't say anything to her. I didn't say one word, but it's called the pimple on the nose. I used to have a pimple on my nose right here. No, it's not there anymore. I used to have a pimple on my nose right here. Pretty big pimple. And anytime someone looked at me, I was sure she's, he's looking, she's looking at my pimple, right? Nobody even knew I had it. I knew I had it. So when, when you know you have something, and somebody's looking at you, it's automatically, oh, you're looking at my pimple, right? Now you're thinking, oh my God, he went to a plastic surgeon and got it removed? <laughs> Why, I can't believe it. He's so vain, Rabbi Wallstein. And the answer is no, it was a dangerous pimple. And I went to a skin guy and he said, we have to test it. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't round, whatever it was. So, Baruch Hashem, it came back non-malignant, whatever it was. But they took it off, not for beauty, not for anything like that. But automatically, he's like, so the minute she walked in, she's like, he's looking at my clothes. He's looking at how I'm dressed. Even though I, I was a little shocked, I'm not going to tell you not, but I wasn't, that wasn't what I was going to talk to her about. So she started up with me right away. Before I said a word, she's like, I know. I know. I'm like, what do you know? I know. You're a black suit, black hat, white shirt guy. You're like everyone else. You don't understand us. So I think like, well, I'll go outside, I'll put on some crazy stuff. Like, I'm, I'm not a, I might wear a white shirt and a black suit or a blue suit, whatever it is, but I'm definitely, no one's going to tell you the guy's in the box and he's just like a regular, you know, what, cookie cutter. Wallstein was never called a cookie cutter. I ate them, I like cookies, but I never cut cookies. <laughs> never cut, I cut class and I ate cookies, but I did it, I wasn't a cookie cutter. So, she's like attacking me and she's like, all you guys, I don't want to tell you what town she's from, but you can figure it out. All you guys and her Kahila, you're all the same. You have no creativity. You have no individuality. And she's just shooting at me. I said, I'm the same? Yeah, all you guys, all you rabbis, you're all the same. I said, well, guess what? You're also the same. And that was like the biggest insult. She came all dressed up like this. And now Wallace's telling me I'm the same, like... There's no one in the whole borough park that's dressed like this. In fact, in the summer, I don't think there's anyone in the whole world, in the whole New York State or anywhere near us, that was dressed like that. This was like in my face. So what are you talking about? I said, you look like you're a smart girl. Your, your choice of clothing, I don't know, but you look like you're a smart girl. I said, well, this is what I'm saying very carefully. You are the same as all people that are different. Everyone that's different wants to be different. You're the same as all people that want to be different. There are millions of you. Piercings, dressing, whatever they want to do, the way they live, the way they look, 
green nail polish, black nail polish, no nail polish. Everybody wants to be... Wants, so all those people are different. So they're all same different. I said, I'm the same as all... What you're saying, I'm the same as all people same, and you're the same as all people different, we're both the same. And she sat there, she's like, what? I'm like, every girl that dresses the way you dress or dresses differently than the cookie cutter is different. And the cookie cutter is all cookie cutters. So they're the same as each other and you're the same as each other. So if you think you're like in, you're an individual, you're not an individual. You're the same as every girl. One girl does a piercing. One girl has purple hair. One girl shaved her head. They all did different things to be different. But all of them are different and all different people are the same. And she was like, I can't talk to you. Now we're best friends. And she doesn't wear that stuff anymore. She's like, no one ever turned my head like that. I'm like, so you think you're different. You're not, you're not, you're not different. You're a slave. You're a slave to society who's saying like, don't be like everyone else. You need to be an individual. You know, you, you know what it takes to be an individual? One thing. It takes to be yourself. And all the people that are doing all these things to be individuals and be different, they're copying someone else. They're not an individual. They're the same as all those other people. What is an individual? Every, everyone in this room has a different IQ, has a different family, has a different look. None of us look the same. It's a miracle that, that God takes a nose and two eyes and two ears and, 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 and can mix it billions of times and everybody looks different. It's the same parts. We all have the same parts. Eyebrows, eyelashes, hair. And he, wow, that, that is godly. Evolution, one of the arguments of evolution is that we would, evolution would cause us all to look alike. As we evolutionize, we, you get more to look alike, more to look alike. We should all in the same room, if the world was 10 million years old, we should all look alike. That, that there's no evolution is a proof that every single person is different. So if there was evolution, things would become the same. But human beings are never becoming the same. And nobody looks alike. And nobody has the same fingerprints. What happened to evolution? Whatever, the whole evolution is stupidity. But I'm just saying, that's not evolution. An individual means you are who you are. And you don't copy anybody. Nobody. Everyone's so busy. I want to look like her. I want to look like this. Oh, that fashion model. Oh, on, on, online, she, she cooks like this and she has a dress like this. And, and, and women are looking at all the, oh my God, following these, these people. And then and I'm going to the bathroom and I'm, I'm, I'm combing my hair and, 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 and look at my red lipstick. And everyone's watching. Like, what? It's the opposite of a human being. We're private. Right? Everyone's watching and following. How many followers do you have? That's what's important in life. How many followers do you have? Who are you? What are you busy with followers? They're not you. Be busy with who you are. Well, I have, I have 10,000 followers. Who cares? What about you? The first person you have to work on is, is you. The individuality is being. I, I just told this to a girl. She's like, I want to be like you, Rabbi Wallerstein. I said, no, you don't. She says, no, yes, I do. I'm like, no. What's your name, Miriam? You want to be like Miriam. You want to be a copy of me? The copy is worthless. The original painting is the value. The copy of the original painting is $2. The original Picasso, right? You took a picture of, of, of a Picasso, the picture's worth nothing, two cents. The Picasso's worth $100 million. It's the original that has the value, not the copy. 
You're the original. Stop trying to be the copy. Try to be someone else. Hashem wouldn't have created you. No one in this room was created to copy someone else because then God, what, God doesn't do duplicates. So if he has this girl that you're trying to follow, you try to be like, I'm following her. I'm following her on Instagram. I'm following her on Facebook. I hear this word. I'm following her. There's more people following this girl than follow Moshe Rabbeinu out of Mitzrayim. It's like, oh my gosh, he didn't have so many followers. She got followers. And believe me, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't tell him when he's going to the bathroom, when he's putting his lipstick. Oh, look what I'm making for breakfast. I'm making eggs. And right, I have to watch you make eggs. Go eat your eggs and make your own eggs. We watch this girl make eggs for. People, this, 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 this Facebook, this, it's, it, it's not normal. I'm, I'm telling you, if any human being was smart and they would watch it, they would say, it's not normal. What are you, what are you following someone a whole day for? What about you? And nobody's following you. You're following everybody else, right? Following this actress, I'm following this shekelmacher, I'm following this cook, this chef, chef this, chef that, chef that, chef this. Meanwhile, you're not cooking anything. You're following her. Your husband's starving and you're following her. Thank you very much, right? Buy a cookbook, open the cookbook, and make, make your, your husband supper, or make yourself your father, or whatever, make yourself supper. No, we're following chef this and chef that. Wow. You guys sitting there hungry, he's getting cereal. For, for supper, he's eating cereal, and she's looking, wow, look at that, look at that, wow, look at that tuna tower. He's like, tuna tower, how about me? Cocoa puffs. Cocoa puffs are good, frosted flakes, I brought you something with sugar, it's not, you know, just Rice Krispies, I love you, right? It's not normal, I watch it because I don't have it, I don't have it. I have a never a never phone, so I'm able to watch all the crazy people, right? The smart people have the stupid phone, the stupid people have the smartphone, it's a whole, the whole world is like sedoin. It's like totally turned off. I watch this, I'm like, all day long. Because we all, we all want to be, so we are an Eved, we are an Eved, we are a servant to the world. Because we want to be like the world and we want to be like different. So I do another piercing, so you're a bigger Eved. Because this movie star has three piercings and this rock star has four piercings. And I don't want to look like a base Yaakov girl. And I don't want to look like a regular girl. I want to be different. Doesn't make you different. You know what makes you different? You went to visit a kid with Down syndrome today. Ah, that's cool. Did you help somebody? An old lady. Did you did a chesed. That you spoke to someone. You talked them out of doing drugs or out of doing that is cool. That makes you different because most of the world not doing chesed. That makes you different. Not sticking something in your nose or sticking 18 things in your ear. It doesn't make you different. It makes you the same as that movie star. So Hashem doesn't need you anymore because you're a duplicate. She's the original. You're copy. You're copying her. So she's the original. You're the copy. You're not worth anything. She's the, I don't know what her value is, but she's the original. You're the copy. Well, stop copying. Why are you copying? I had this whole story that was a, was a, I'm going totally off the subject, but I always say Hashem should come out of my mouth what they need to hear, not what I need to say. This is a true story. I'm supposed to speak and I'm not going to say what high school, but I'm supposed to speak in a high school. The day before, I get a phone call from the principal. Sorry, we're canceling you, Rabbi Wallstein. We're going to push it off a day. I'm like, what's going on? We got into the MoMA, the Museum of Art in Manhattan. And we got it. They're taking the, the 12th graders. That's who I was supposed to speak to. And we got in. And um, do you mind if we push it off a day? I'm like, I have no problem. The MoMA, hey. You know, keep it up. Hey, mama, MoMA, whatever. Okay, go to the MoMA, right? Why from girls should go to the MoMA? I don't know, because there's a lot of nudes. There's a lot of paintings of... I went, never went there, but there's a lot of paintings of not-dressed people. So the Satan got really brilliant, and he said, it's okay to look at, at a man and a woman that aren't dressed, because it's art. 
<laughs> and it's culture. So all us Jewish girls and Jewish, oh, it's art. Taira, it's Taira. Sure, we can go. Really from girls from a from school, they're going to the moment. They're looking at pictures of naked women, naked men. They would never have a magazine in their house. And, and have such a picture. They would never watch something on a screen like that. But they're going through the moment because it's cultured. It's culture and it's art. The Sultan is brilliant. In fact, they had 10 people. It happened this year and do not Google it. They had 10 people that were in Times Square without a stitch of clothing on. And the police, there's a law. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to walk out. Lewd, L-E-W-D. You can't walk out in the street without any clothing on. You get arrested. So the police wanted to arrest them. Ten people standing in the middle, not in the middle of the winter, but standing in the middle of Times Square with no clothing on. The judge said, you cannot, you cannot arrest them. Art. It's art. The human, the human body is art. So they were artists. And they didn't arrest them. They stood there. And people, Meshugam, tourists, took pictures. Art in Manhattan! Sultan is so not normally brilliant. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.